0: Way out of here. Oh, man. This is Baseball Tonight the Podcast.
1: This is the Baseball Tonight Podcast for Monday, June 27, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his new home in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. I'm Buster only working from a hotel down in Atlanta before I fly back to New York after our late Sunday night game between the Dodgers and the Braves. What a weekend in terms of stuff going on. It was absolutely crazy Uh, on Saturday. Christian Javier was rolling at Yankee Stadium.
2: The 3-2. There goes the runner. Swing and a miss. Got him. 13th strikeout for Javier to retire the Yankees here in the bottom of the 7th inning. Houston 1, New York nothing. Career high was 9 strikeouts. He's got 13 With no
1: hits allowed to that point. Here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the ninth inning with the no-hitter still ongoing.
2: The 2-1 delivery. Ground ball left side. Bregman's got it. Pumps. Throws. Out at first is Stanton. It's a no-hitter for the Houston Astros. A combined masterpiece by Javier, Nieris and Presley. And they gather and bounce and dance and celebrate near the mound. The final score, 3 to nothing. a no-hitter on June 25th, this Saturday afternoon for the Astros at Yankee Stadium.
1: Yeah, and, of course, the call of ESPN Radio. Now, on Sunday, in what was a phenomenal series, the Yankees were hit list through six innings. <laughs> and then in the bottom of the seventh inning, with Houston leading 3-1, to
2: one, this is what happened. Urquidy going to throw his 91st pitch. That one's driven deep into center field. Turning and looking is Myers. There it is. There's a hit. There's a run. 3-1 Astros
1: lead. Michael K. John Flaherty on the Yes Network in the bottom of the 8th inning. The
2: Yankees tied it. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. That woke up the Bronx. A two-run home run. The game is tied at 3
1: there was so much intensity in this series. The bottom of the 10th inning, the Yankees had two runners on base, and that
2: guy, Aaron Judge, at the plate. Neil on. That one's drilled deep to left field. Going back, Diaz looking up. See ya! A walk-off three-run home run for Judge. And the Yankees win it. The Yankees go from no hit... To no way is this happening again. A dramatic come from behind victory and the Yankees split four with the Astros.
1: And Judge now almost halfway to 60 homers. This, of course, after he settled his arbitration case with the Yankees on Friday. Here's Aaron Judge after the game, speaking with the Yes Network.
3: How much do you love this environment and and being able to come through in those situations?
4: Uh, this This is what it's all about right here. You know, these fans, The whole game, um, even after last night's loss. But, um, you know, just the guys in front of me working great at bats. Izzy came up big, getting the runner over. Um, Just a great team win right here.
3: How does it feel to be the hero twice in one series, especially against the Astros?
4: I'm just trying to do my job, just like everybody else, you know, nothing special. um, these guys are working their butt off every single day, so you know, I was happy to come up and do the job for them.
3: Seth Martinez tough against right-handed batters. What was your approach heading into that at bat?
4: I uh, just try to get something up in the air. You know, he he works a good two-seamer slider mix. Um, just try to get something up in the air and you know get that running. You know, the game was on the line.
3: Offense and hits for that matter had been hard to come by prior to John Carlos Stanton's hit in the seventh home run there in that seventh inning. Did the offense as a whole breathe a collective sigh of relief when he finally got you guys on the board and got a hit?
4: Uh, not really. There was no panic all day, you know, even though we were getting no hit for a while. It was just no panic. You know, we trust in each other. We trust in this team. And when you got the fans like this, you know, you can do anything you can. You can do anything you want. You mentioned the
3: no panic. Where does that confidence, that quiet confidence come from from this team? Oh, well,
4: when you're the best player on the team. You know, how can you not?
1: <laughs> that interview with Meredith Marakovic. Here's Yankees manager Aaron Boone.
2: I I told him I got to quit taking him for granted again. Um, Really, I mean, just such a, what I marveled at was just how easy he swung right there. You know, it's just like, he's just trying to touch the ball, you know.
1: Yeah, so the Yankees continue to win, which means the Red Sox aren't gaining ground on New York, but they're playing great, and they moved into second place in the American League East after what happened on Sunday.
0: And the payoff pitch. Swing and a... Little fly ball, shallow left, diving and not making the catches, Clement. Base hit that scores to 5 0
1: Trevor Story had that hit for the Red Sox in that moment. Tom Hamilton with that call on the Indians radio network. The Phillies' Bryce Harper was placed in the 10-day injury list after he suffered a broken left thumb on Saturday night after being hit by a pitch by Blake Snell. Uh, We'll be talking about that injury coming up with Tim Kirkchen. Phillies and the Padres on Sunday. And one of those guys who's going to have to fill in the gap with Harper out is Kyle Schwarber, and he got it done on Sunday.
5: 2-1 pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, deep left field. Profart looks up, and that ball is gone. And Kyle Schwarber shoots one the other way, and he's turned this game around. It's a three-run home run here in the seventh inning, and the Phillies are up 6-5. to
1: Jot Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Shocking development for the Minnesota Twins. Pitching coach Wes Johnson has informed the team he will leave his job this week, jumping over to uh, Louisiana State University in the same job. Reportedly, he will get a significant raise at LSU. There's that SEC money. The Braves' Ronald Acuna Jr. fouled the ball up, Is put on Saturday, and now there are questions about whether or not uh, he can be back in the lineup anytime soon, or maybe they're going to have to put him on the injured list What Acuna said through a translator was, I'd say that's one thing that has me a little worried, but we'll see how it goes. Referring to the fact that he's not able to put weight on his foot. I saw him going around the Braves clubhouse on Sunday on one of those little wheelie things to keep all the pressure off of that foot. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. The Dodgers. The Braves on Sunday Night Baseball. And once again, Freddie Freeman had such an emotional weekend. Got an ovation from the fans when he stepped in the box in the top of the first inning.
6: Freddie Freeman comes up to a well-deserved round of applause. And that has been the case every time that... Freeman, the first baseman who played for the Braves for 12 years, has stepped to the plate this weekend. And now he's soaking it in as he waits to step into the left-hand batter's box. He's overcome with emotion, Doug, as he steps out of the batter's box, strides over toward the first base, dugout with his hands on his hips. Now he takes off his batting helmet. This is a moment for Freddie Freeman. Yeah. And he lifts his bat in his right hand, saying thank you to the crowd. Yeah, Taylor, that was day three. That was not
1: Friday night. His first (laughs) plate appearance. That was a sound from ESPN radio from Sunday night baseball.
7: Oh, what poor guy! I mean, he's clearly going through it, you know, with all these emotions. But I mean, come on, game three, you gotta, you gotta pull it together, my man. Like, let's, let's go. It's got to be a little bit awkward in the Dodgers clubhouse there. I mean, you gotta. I mean, he proved it on the field, so no big deal. But it was still a little awkward.
1: And it was a really uh, fun game on Sunday night.
6: The Braves took the lead in the bottom of the sixth swinging a liner up the middle that's down for a base hit and Ozuna plates the first run of the game a two-out single into center field scores Travis Garneau from third this game is scoreless no more as it's one nothing Atlanta in the bottom of the sixth inning the Braves lead to
1: go to two nothing Kenley Jansen came on to try to close it out in the top of the ninth inning and he was down to the last out but then the Dodgers rallied and this happened
6: Swing and a line drive over to first off the glove of a leaping Olsen into right field. It's down. Luck scores. Taylor scores behind him. And Trace Thompson, with just centimeters to spare, sneaks it by Olsen at first and ties the game at two here in the top of the ninth inning.
1: Impressive. Braves rookie Michael Harris, the second, cut off the Dodgers rally in the top of the ninth.
6: And he swings, cracks it to center field. Harris comes in, charging. He dives and he makes the catch. He caught it to get the third out and deny the Dodgers the go-ahead run.
1: So they went into extra innings, top of the 11th inning. Score was
6: 3-all, and this happened. He swings and grounds it off the glove of Riley at third. That's a fair ball as it trickles down the line by the tarp. Bellinger could crawl home if he wanted to. He scores and makes it 4-3 Dodgers as Taylor pulls into second base. L.A. takes the lead here on the top of the
1: 11th, as they did in the 10th. And the Dodgers win the game 5-3, and they win the series. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, was talking about what a fun series that it was. What a crazy scene in Anaheim on Sunday. The context was built around this. On Saturday night, there was a fastball near the head of Angels superstar Mike Trout, and Trout wasn't happy about it. He complained about it to reporters uh, on Saturday night. So you shouldn't be surprised that on Sunday, Jesse Winker got hit, and this is what happened.
0: Here's the delivery, and hit by the pitch is Winker. And now we'll see if the umpires do anything, because warnings were already... Now Winker is heading to the Angels dugout and both benches empty and here come all the relievers from the bullpen and we have a brawl right now over by the Angels on deck circle punches being thrown everywhere this is an all-out brawl over on the left side of home plate here come all the relievers umpires trying to restrain players and the war is on right now This is far from being broken up. Now more players involved because all the members of the respective bullpens are down there. Players are on the ground. A lot of grappling going on right now by the Angels on deck circle. Winker after he got hit you could tell he was unhappy and then he started to move towards the Angels dugout. Now, for the most part, order is being restored. There's still a little pushing and shoving.
2: Yeah, and Julio Rodriguez is being restrained right now. He wants in heavy and hard. One of the Mariners coaches has him, and he is trying to get away.
0: And there's still some shoving and pushing going on. And it's continuing yeah, a little bit more again. towards the third base side, and this is far from being over. Now the scrum of players is over on the third base side. Some players have just gotten knocked down. A couple of Seattle players just hit the deck in foul territory on the third base side. Yeah, and so was yeah. it was nasty.
1: and went on and on. That was Terry Smith on Angels Radio AM 830. Uh, and as Jesse Winker walked off, this is what
0: happened. Winker just looked to the crowd, just and looking, he yeah. he is flashing a finger to the Angels crowd on the first base side. That is absolutely classless. Now he's doing it with both hands to the crowd. That is as bush league as it gets right there. His suspension should be more than a game yeah. or two. Yeah. That was
1: classless right there. Yeah, so he flipped off the fans. The strangest reaction came from the uh, Angels closer, Rice Hall Iglesias, where he threw, Taylor, he threw a whole bunch of uh, sunflower seeds and gum in a, in a box out on the field. I still can't figure out what he was trying to prove there.
7: My first thought was, who does he think is going to clean that up? Because he's not going to do it. I mean, yeah. come on, he's putting that on some poor stadium worker. I mean, that's just, that's just rude. It was crazy. There are going to be a bunch of suspensions, and
1: we're going to be coming up. uh, We'll be talking with Tim Kirchner about that. We're going to also ask Sarah Langs coming up if she's gotten into a brawl in her lifetime. It was one all bottom of the seventh inning, and this happened.
0: A peak at second. Here's the pitch. And that's a shot into center field. That's going to drop in for a base hit. That's going to give the Angels the lead. Throw to third. The runner goes over the bag. That was Trout. But the run had crossed the plate before Trout was thrown out, trying to go first to third.
1: Yeah, here was Scott Service, the Mariners manager, after his team lost 2-1. to one.
4: Certainly, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, uh that probably shouldn't happen uh, in the game, you know. Happened out there today. Emotions running high, but uh, it's pretty clear what what was going on. Uh, you know, they, they switched, put an opener in there to throw some balls at us, and you know, uh, got out of hand from there. And, and kind of a uh, a black eye on, on you know, been uh, a very good series, competitive series, you know, whatever. Uh, and it kind of got crazy there in the second inning. But you know, I've often said that if people show you who they are, believe them. And I'll leave it
2: at that. Here's
1: Angels manager Phil Nevin.
0: No, I mean, look, you play eight eight games in a matter of a week against the same team. Um, you know, things like this happen. I mean, the scheduling. Um, you know, I, you know, tensions just, you know, that's, that's baseball. Sometimes, unfortunately, there's some ugly incidences once in a while, and and I think that's just what happened today.
1: Taylor, uh, look, whatever you got uh, on another podcast, I don't know if you can top what happened in baseball of the weekend.
7: No chance, Buster. <laughs> I've got we've. There's a little bit of an exciting podcast thing going on in our world, but definitely not. I mean, this weekend in baseball was was amazing. And so first of all, uh, we're about to talk to Tim Kirkshin. If you, you you know, you're great to, to listen to him, but also you can watch him in Buster on ESPN's YouTube page. That is up a little bit later in the day after the podcast. But uh, if you want to consume their content that way, go for it over there. Also, ESPN has partnered with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production to release a raft of new podcasts. One of those shows is The VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Mooday. Ooh, sorry if I botched that. Uh, Who talk about all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code Baseball. That's code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you get to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxydectin, and pyrantel chewable tablets. Nexgard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious, beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive.
0: Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It
5: never disappoints you.
1: On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN. He's at his home. I'm down in a hotel in Atlanta, Tim. How do you love the halo effect here? I mean, is that appropriate or what?
5: Yeah, it's very heavenly, Buster, and very appropriate that the halo would be over you. Yeah, I can
1: hear the sarcasm in your voice. All right. Uh, there's so much that happened this weekend. So what I'm going to do is give you a menu of topics that uh, you want to get to, and you can choose the order. Okay. Okay. Uh, Not all of it's great, by the way. Uh, first and foremost, Bryce Harper suffered a a broken thumb over the weekend, getting hit by a pitch from, by Blake Snell, the Padres. There was a huge brawl in Anaheim. A lot of baseball fights are kind of lame. There's the pushing and shoving and hold me back, hold me back. But that thing was nasty an incredible series between the Yankees and Astros, which included a no hitter and then a walk off home run. And what an emotional weekend for Freddie Freeman in Atlanta, which one do you want to take first?
5: Well, I'm going to take the Yankee one first because I called the game on Saturday. So that's the fifth no hitter that I have covered. First one I've called as a broadcaster. So that was pretty cool. So Christian Javier Buster was unbelievably good. He is the first pitcher ever to allow no hits and strike out 13 against the Yankees in any game. I mean, that's just remarkable um and the way they won and the way they beat Garrett Cole and they had a combined no-hitter and the last time that happened the Yankees was a combined no-hitter by the Astros in 2013 I mean 20, 2003 was six guys who did it I mean it was just a marvelous day at, at the stadium even though the Yankees got no-hit so
1: we had Christian a uh, Javier on, um Uh, on Sunday Night Baseball the weekend before. And I got to tell you, as I saw that play out in Yankee Stadium, I was kind of like, you know, he's a really good pitcher, but he never struck me as being a guy with no-hit stuff.
5: But that day he did. Right. And Dusty Baker was telling me before the game, he said, this guy has a disappearing fastball is what he called it. But Dusty said, but the problem is you, you can't you don't know why it disappears. You know, there are other guys, you know, Sid Fernandez would throw it out of the shirt like that, like he was throwing it uphill. And you understood. And how you miss? How you couldn't see it. Koji Uehara had that great split and he hid the ball so well that he could throw a fastball by you at 88 up in the strike zone. Well, that's what Javier could do. But Dusty said, you don't know why it disappears, which is what makes it so good. Well, it disappeared the whole day. And we also know he's got a really good slider through a couple of curveballs we're not used to seeing changeups we're not used to seeing much of. And it was just dominant. So I was there, Buster, the night. That Pedro Martinez struck out 17 Yankees. I covered that game on the radio also, so that was historic because the Yankees had never struck out 17 times in their own ballpark by one pitcher. And then equal history was made on Saturday. So, and it again, Buster, it came against a team that was 52 and 19 and was leading the league in home runs and run scored. Amazing.
1: And then on Sunday, you have the Yankees being no-hit. Into the seventh inning, the first hit is a home run by Stanton. They come back and they win the game with a walk-off home run by Judge. What a phenomenal series this was. You know, I know there's been you know a lot of nasty feelings between the Astros and the Yankees through the years, but, man, they put on a show when they go against each other.
5: Right. I remember David Cohn saying on Thursday night after that incredible game, like if the rest of the series is going to be like this, we're in for a tremendous series. And ultimately, that's what they got. So, Buster, this is how beautiful baseball is. The Yankees went 16 consecutive hitless innings to repeat a team playing over 700 baseball leads and homers in homers run and runs scored and went 16 innings without a hit. The only teams that have done that since 1961, that's as far back as the Elias Sports Bureau could go, are the 73 A's and the 81 Dodgers. And both of those teams won the World Series. So there's no explanation to how this could have happened. But the Yankees had a great series and got their 10th walk-off win of the season. Buster, we are 73 games into the season. One out of every seven games, the Yankees win with a walk-off. I mean, how unusual is that? Last 40 years, the Royals in 2000 are the only team to have at least 10 walk-off wins before July. It was an amazing weekend at Yankee Stadium. And this, of course,
1: was after Aaron Judge settled his arbitration case against the Yankees. Uh, His side, actually, the Yankees had gone to his side last Monday or Tuesday and offered to settle the midpoint in $19 million, and his side said no. And so the assumption was, okay, we're going to arbitration. He's going to bet big on himself again. But in the end, when the Yankees added a couple of incentive clauses, $250,000, if he wins the MVP, the World Series MVP clause, they get it done. And it feels like as much as, you know, Aaron Judge has so much on the table that it was good that Tim, that he just said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that, you know, extra $2 million. I'm just going to focus on playing baseball this year. I think that was best for him. I think it was best for everybody. What about you?
5: Yeah, I'm um a... I really don't like those arbitration hearings. I had to cover them when I was a beat guy. And players would come out of there and they were angry. My team is 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 going after me. You can't have that happen in the middle of a season when you're 52 and 19 and you got a guy who's the MVP of the league so far. The best thing that could have happened for both sides was to not have a hearing. And, and that was really smart by Aaron Judge and by the Yankees to say, we don't want to have to get together and do this publicly. It's not worth it. All right, you got three more items on the menu. You got
1: Harper, you got the brawl, you got Freddie Freeman.
5: Uh, Okay, I, I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman second. Um, look, Buster, I, I know it was an interesting weekend. I'm just going to start with I thought it was kind of refreshing that there's a baseball player who's that sensitive, who loved the, the place he played for that time, the city in which he lived and with everything he's been through as a man and as a family member, I thought it was, it was more than okay that he was really, really emotional. And I didn't have any problem with it at all. And yet, as you reported several times, you know, some of the Dodgers were wondering, you know, you know, which team are you on here? And I, I understand that also, but it was a great weekend of games and a really difficult-slash-interesting-slash-successful weekend for Freddie Freeman.
1: Yeah, here's Freddie Freeman talking about what it means to return to Atlanta.
8: It's really hard to put into words. I can't even look up at you guys because I don't know if I'm going to get through it. So. I was doing pretty good about an hour ago. Gosh. Um, um, I don't know all the emotions. Uh, It's hard to put into words. I'm just happy to be back. Um, This organization. The people, media people, who have covered my family with grace and love over the last 12 years, it's hard. He cried throughout the
1: press conference on fr- on uh, Friday when he arrived at the ballpark. Uh, he cried. Uh, heavily during this ceremony when Brian Setker gave him his championship ring. He had Brian Setker, his good friend and manager, patting him on the back, basically saying, relax, relax, trying to help calm him. He was crying when he got introduced the first time uh, at the plate. He was crying throughout. He was in the Braves clubhouse a couple of times. And I mentioned this on air last night and talked about it on radio over the weekend. You know, yes, there's a lot of his emotion was about gratitude for the Braves fans and how they treated he and his family but I also think there was some anger and some sadness because, based on what he experienced, uh, he knows that you know. While his first choice was to go back to the Braves, uh, he uh, that didn't happen, and he's not happy about that. And he knows that the legacy could have been his. You know, that one team legacy for that Cal Ripken had, that Tony Gwynn had, that Chipper Jones had.
5: Yeah, it's. I'm still, after all this time, I still don't understand why he's not the first baseman for the Braves, because I think it could have been done if Freddie Freeman just said, I want this to get done, I'll take less or whatever. Or if his agent had been a little bit more, I'm not sure what the word is, communicative about the deals that were being made. You certainly can't blame the Braves when they recognize we're at a stall these things are stalled right now. These negotiations, we have to make sure we don't get left behind. And to get Matt Olson before Freddie Freeman signed was a very strange development. I just look back and I'm still, I still not sure why this happened because he's going to do great in LA. He's a great teammate. He's had a pretty good year and I'm sure he's going to be wildly successful there. But every time I look at him, I still have in the back of my mind, why is he not on the Braves? Yeah,
1: uh, it's a great question, especially because it's pretty clear based on what uh, Freddie has said. Going to the Braves was his first choice, and he wound up taking a deal that was for more years for less money in total value. When you factor in state tax in California, and when you factor in all the deferred money that are part of the, that's uh, part of the Dodger deal, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Freddie spoke with friends in Atlanta, you know, some of his former teammates about the possibility of changing representation. We'll see if that happens. But Tim, just to give full context to this, uh, back in the spring, uh, after lockout ended, the Braves still had an offer on the table of about $135 million. There was a phone call from Casey Close, who's the head of XL to the Braves, uh, head of baseball operations, Alex Anthopoulos basically said, look, you have an hour to uh, put your offers up to this level in order to get a deal. And the Braves didn't do it in that hour. And their feeling was, uh, Anthopolis' feelings that he hung up the phone was, you know what, he's got a bigger offer from the Dodgers or some other team. So they quickly pivoted to make that trade for Matt Olsen to sign him to a long-term deal because they assumed that Freddie was going to land with another team. And that's where he wound up landing. But again, it was for less money, total value, for more years. And I think that's what has people really scratching their heads
5: right and it's I'm still scratching my head um but I saw our Alden Gonzalez report yesterday that he the Dodgers are hoping this was this brings closure to this for Freddie Freeman the, we knew the trip back to Atlanta would be very very emotional but now as the Dodgers are saying it's time to move on like they they might be playing the Braves in the playoffs they might have to go to Atlanta in October and they can't have this happen again if they're trying to win Win the world series or beat the defending world champions. So let's see if it is indeed closure has been accomplished this weekend with Freddie Freeman. I'm not positive. It has been
1: no Clayton Kershaw spoke with the Atlanta journal constitution on Saturday after watching, uh, you know, Freddie, uh, so emotional on Friday night. And his quote to the AJC was, it was very cool. He's obviously been a big contributor for our team and I hope we're not second fiddle." It's a pretty special team over there, too. I think whenever he gets comfortable over here, he'll really enjoy it. And so I think it's going to be important, Tim, for Freddie to demonstrate that to the Dodgers. Yes?
5: Yes. And as we know, Clayton Kershaw doesn't speak a whole lot. And when he does speak, he is... You have to listen to him. He, whatever he says resonates because he never says anything off the top of his head. He always thinks it through. And the I hope we're not the second fiddle was, I think, very telling. And I think it was just a just a general reminder that you're on our team and we're going to need you at your very best. If we're going to win the World Series and if we're going to beat the team that you played for for the last 12
1: years. So how terrible do you feel for Bryce Harper? now out indefinitely after suffering
5: this thumb fracture. It's just awful. I mean, this guy is an elite player. Again, he won an MVP last year. He's having a tremendous season. He is playing through an elbow injury that a lot of guys wouldn't even think about playing through. And now he breaks a thumb. And who knows how long he's going to be out. And look, Buster, I don't think he should get any surgery on the elbow now, shut down the season or anything else But that has been brought up. Would that be the smarter thing to do? Well, the Phillies are still in the playoff race. They haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. They have to get him healthy and bring him back as quickly as possible. But part of you has to think, poor guy might need two surgeries, one on the thumb, one on the elbow, why not get them both done now, get it over with, and bring him back completely healthy sometime in 2023? But I, I just can't do that. You're the Phillies. You need to win. He's your best player. Let's get the the thumb healed and move on from there. So I think you are mind-reading what the Phillies are thinking. I
1: made some calls on this yesterday. Uh, and so what's going to happen, from what I've been told, is, is that Bryce Harper is going to get his thumb checked. They're going to hear from the specialist. And if he can have surgery and come back this year, that's going to be the focus. Now, uh, if in fact, and by the way, the feeling is, is that his elbow is healing. They've seen signs of healing at some of the exams that they've done. And so he could come back potentially if the specialist says that, uh, you know, he'll be able to heal, uh, with the thumb and be productive this year. Uh, if the news they get from the specialist says, you know what, he's going to be out of be, uh, he's going to be out a long time. He might miss the rest of the season then I think, yeah, that is on the table, that he'll have the elbow taken care of at the same time as the thumb. That's information that'll come out, I think, as this week goes along. And lastly, Tim, how about that fight in Anaheim? You know, we talk about baseball fights being, uh, you know, oftentimes just little shoving matches and people yelling at each other. That was pretty nasty, which I think if you have a situation where the best player in baseball who never gets angry at anybody Gets mad feeling like that. Uh, you know what, you went over the top and throwing that uh, baseball near my head, you figured there was going to be a reaction from the
5: angels, absolutely. And I think, I think that's what started it all. You can't throw whether there was intent or not, you can't throw near Mike Trout's head and get away with it. And the angels made sure they didn't. And then it looks like they threw at Julio Rodriguez's head, and he is you know, the bet, one of the best rookies out there. So it's very interesting how, who they chose to go throw at a kid who's just, you know, in his first year in the big leagues shows you a little bit about Julio Rodriguez. Um, Buster, to me, this was two frustrated teams that have underachieved this year, and they are really frustrated, and I'm not surprised that that something happened yesterday. Uh, Scott Service and Phil Nevin are both old-school guys in their own right. They played at a similar time and this is how you used to get retribution. I just think both sides overreacted, but I I still go back, Buster, to what Earl Weaver used to say. Earl would say, look, whatever you do, don't throw at anybody. Whatever you do, don't get in a fight because you're gonna get suspended. And our guys are better than their guys, and we're going to lose on that exchange. Well, here are two teams that are five, six games under five hundred that have to win as many as possible to make the playoffs. And now both teams are going to be without key players for multiple games. And I understand you got to stick up for your teammate. I really like that about baseball. I'm just not sure they did it the right way this time.
1: Yeah. And I got to say, when these fights break out now, uh, I I tend to like look for individual players like uh, with that brawl yesterday. Where was Mike Trout in all of that? And and wondering, geez, I hope he doesn't get hurt in the middle of that. Or Rodriguez, you know, hoping he doesn't get hurt in the middle of that. Anthony Rendon had surgery and he's out there in the middle of that. Uh, And by the way, the strangest sight. How about throwing? A bunch of, what, sunflower seeds and bubblegum. Rysel Iglesias, the uh, closer for the A's, what was that about?
5: Buster, I've seen a lot of things thrown on the field, bats, coolers, all sorts of things. I've never seen sunflower seeds, which, of course, feed the players like every day. It's their most important thing chucked on the field like that and it's a closer that did it what is he doing in the dugout anyway at that point i didn't understand any i didn't understand most of the brawl yesterday i uh, doug Rader, who oh, i loved covering for all those years with the rangers once told me well i was hoping we wouldn't go through the year without one really good fight he really felt like it could galvanize the team I'm just not sure that would galvanize anybody with what happened yesterday. Stick up for your guys, but both those teams uh, are going to lose on that exchange.
1: Oh, my goodness. You know the folks in Major League Baseball, when they look at these situations, they go over uh, videotape to determine, okay, who was an aggressor in this fight. And I got to say, Tim, like I watched replays this like six or seven times, and I don't even think I touched the surface in terms of tracking the movements of every player If they wound up something in the range of 15 fine suspensions out of this, it wouldn't shock me because there were just so many scrums all over the place.
5: Right. And only eight guys, only eight guys were ejected, but it's possible more than eight guys potentially could be suspended for a game or more or more because you're right. Once you go back and see somebody, oh, he's throwing a punch there, that, that that was not good for the game and certainly not good for the Angels or the Mariners. All right, Tim. Well, great to see you.
1: Great to talk with you. Uh, And I'll talk to you again next week.
5: All right. You should consider bringing that halo back to your house. (laughs)
1: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by.
7: This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Lang's a
1: reporter producer for MLB.com and Sarah. Uh, you also are in competition for nicest person ever uh, with Tim Kirchin and we know that Tim Kirchin, the nicest person ever got into a brawl. During a pickup basketball game. Oh my gosh. uh, And this, of course, this uh, whole train of thought is spurred by what happened between the Angels and Mariners yesterday. My question to you is even when you were a kid, let's say six, seven, eight years old, have you ever been in a physical fight with anybody?
9: Oh my gosh. I do. No, I have not. I have absolutely not. I mean, First of all, yeah, I consider myself a pretty peaceful person. I'm also not very strong. I have never been strong. My sport is running, which does not, you know, lend to any punches, anything like that. I don't think I could even land a punch if I tried. So, no, I have never, ever been in a physical fight.
1: So, even in a road race, and I ran cross country in high school uh, uh, just as you did. But there are times when you get the elbows going a little bit. Did you ever do that?
9: No, never. I uh, nothing even close. I mean, I would lose. I don't want to lose. I don't like (laughs) losing. So nowhere even close to any physical fights for me. In fact, when I see people fighting, I just I don't I don't understand that. I don't have that gene of getting angry and okay, physical violence comes out.
1: All right, you're the nicest person ever. Tim definitely drops down the list after hearing you. Oh, my you gosh. He was so embarrassed in telling that story. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three.
9: Number three is 118. So you talked about this on Sunday at Baseball last night. It was your best thing you saw this week, and I have to agree with you. Shohei Ohtani hit a 118-mile-an-hour home run this weekend was the Angels' hardest hit home run, tracked by StatCast, and there's only a handful of guys to hit a 118-mile-an-hour home run or faster. This is the list he joins. He is the eighth guy. It is him, Giancarlo Stanton, who, of course, has 10 of them because he's Stanton, Aaron Judge, who has five of them, and then Franchi Cordero, Pete Alonso, Manny Machado, Gary Sanchins, and Aristides Aquino, each with one. And again, this guy also has a 290-year array. He struck out 13 batters his last time out, and he had 118-mile-an-hour, 462-foot home run. I mean, I don't know. We will never get over Shohei Ohtani, or I never will get over Shohei Otani. Number two. Number two is 16. <laughs> The Yankees had quite the weekend. In a weekend that had two walk-off home runs, they were also held hitless for 16 consecutive innings before Giancarlo Stan hit a home run yesterday. And yes, they ended up winning on a walk-off home run by Aaron Judge yesterday. But 16 straight hitless innings is tied for the longest such streak in at least the expansion era with the 1981 Dodgers and 1973 A's. And because baseball makes no sense, those two teams won the World Series. So this actually bodes well for the Yankees, despite being not a great thing.
7: Number one.
9: Number one is 102.5. So at the end of Sunday baseball last night, up and down, back and forth game in extras, Brewster Gratterol hit 102.5 miles an hour on his fastest pitch of the night. That was tied for the fastest pitch of his career. And that's no small feat, given that he was pitching on the third straight day for only the second time in his career. Carl Ravage made mention of the fact on the air that this was a guy who maybe wasn't going to be gone to by Dave Roberts, given that he pitched in two straight days. But there he was. And the final pitch of the game, he got a strikeout at 101.9 miles an hour. That is the second fastest strikeout pitch of his career. We know he's a fireballer, but to rear back and do that on a third straight day in that situation, such a back and forth game. And I love his celebrations. My favorite thing about Bruce all celebrations is that he'll do that even if he gives up a home run. It's just the way he reacts to being on the mound, but all the emotion after he got that strikeout is really fun to see.
1: Yeah, he loves playing baseball. Dave Roberts told us before the game, you know, on background, because he doesn't want to uh, give it away early in the broadcast. Rattle was not an option. Like he had, he had, uh, he had go on the no fly list uh, for the Dodgers last night in that game. Uh, real quick before you go, what'd you make of all the Freddie Freeman emotion over the weekend?
9: There was a lot of emotion. I mean, a lot. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm an emotional person, I cry a lot. It's nice to see a Major League Baseball player letting that emotion show. I thought it was really heartwarming to see the reaction that he got, but I was not expecting the sheer volume of emotion even going into that third game of the series. So, you know, I'm all for more crying in baseball, more crying on national TV in baseball, but, you know, I was not prepared for how much we would see.
1: All right, Sarah. Well, great to talk with you, uh, and we'll talk to you again next week.
9: Thanks so much for having me.
1: In case you missed it, here was Freddie Freeman at his press conference with reporters on Friday before the first game between the Braves and the Dodgers.
8: I love the Braves organization with all my heart. That will never change.
5: What will it mean to you when you receive your ring and just have it to, to hold forever?
8: Um, probably this again. <laughs> but for me, that World Series ring is more than a ring. I think when you're a kid, all you dream about is making it to the big leagues. That's everyone's dream. And then you get to the big leagues and then you just want to stay. And then when you're lucky and blessed enough to be able to stay, your whole mindset changes and all you want to do is win, because no kid wants to think about a World Series. They just think about I want to be in the big leagues, you know, and when you get here and you get to put on a a Braves jersey, say 14 half years because I had to put on a Pelicans jersey for half a year so. Um, the only thing that matters is winning and we went through a lot of up and downs in my 12 years and then we reached the pinnacle last year of winning it all. Um, that ring is just not a ring to me. Um, that's all the sacrifices. All the missed family time, all the hours, the broken wrists, the 14 hour bus rides, the minor leagues, the 4 a.m. get ins at hotels, the grind every single year to finally win it. Man, there's no better feeling in the sport. So. And to do it with Snit, Walt, Eric, Wash, Sal, Rick Kranitz, Alex, Terry, and all those guys in uniform in that clubhouse that are still there and some that aren't. That ring is good. There's nothing better. So that's what I'll be thinking when I get that ring today.
7: Bleacher tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Monday. Amy Chapman at Amy R. Chapman writes in last week on the pod. Hembo said that if Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees, no one will ever hear about him again. Why does Major League Baseball do such a lousy job promoting individual players? Wouldn't it help the game players a- and make more money for the owners?
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And I put it on both sides, uh, quite frankly. You know, we'll give you an example. We, You know, we had uh, asking folks to wear a mic this weekend and we went down a long list, Taylor before uh, oh, really? Max Fried, you know, thankfully uh, agreed to do, uh, you know, an interview from the dugout. Um, I, I don't get it. Like it's not only on the teams, uh, but it's also on the players. And they they have to collaborate. There's not like this great, you wish that they would come up with a strategy for, for marketing these guys for putting these guys out and uh, appealing to, uh, you know, the, the young generation of fans, but the, it just, isn't done well in part because the two sides can't collaborate and come up with a standard and a culture where players, uh, you know, would under would understand that, Hey, this is all
7: good for all of us. That's interesting that you had to dig so deep to get someone on the mic because I feel like you don't even know the half of it. uh, (laughs) That's what I'm going to say. I bet. I mean, but it's interesting because every week, you know, we play clips of guys on the mic and it's always good. It's always good for them. Like it's good for their personal brand. It doesn't make any sense. Mike
1: Trout was right, Taylor, when he said in five years, everybody would be doing this. But it feels like at times with certain teams, you got to pull people
7: along by the nose. And I don't get it. Very interesting. Eric Sorensen at Coach Sorensen9 writes in, I was going to tweet out this morning on Bleacher tweets asking if Trout will need to thank the Mariners in his Hall of Fame speech someday for all the home runs, but that probably ain't happening now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Uh, Coach Sorensen, check back with us and, and tell us what you thought about the fight and who was in the wrong, who was in the right.
7: Yeah, I really liked everyone uh, talking about it on social media. And I noted on Twitter that I think it's lame when bullpens trot out during a brawl. Uh, David, baseball fan, 1918, wrote in, sounds like a great bleacher tweet question. Have bullpens ever squared up in the outfield just to open up the bullpen doors and both teams can square up in the outfield? Kyle King at Kermit Kyle also chime in. He said, agreed. I have always wondered why the bullpens don't just their energy and fight in center field or start laying down wagers on who wins. Also, I think it's sad. Both teams put their energy into this versus playing to their talent level.
1: Yeah. So the whole thing uh, about the uh, Taylor, you, you, uh, you know, you're making a big deal of the fact you hate it when bullpens come running in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's lame. Boring. Okay. <laughs> well, you stand corrected. I, I know that, that bullpen guys do occasionally contribute to these brawls. I, I'll uh, present to you, the 1998 Orioles-Yankees brawl, Graham Lloyd, uh, the famous Aussie lefty, played a big role in that one.
3: And this is where
0: things start. You see, Graham, Graham Lloyd? Lloyd, he's and coming Jeff after the Nelson right behind him, and this is where it began to get ugly. This is where the umpires lost control. Mm-hmm. Strawberry jumps in. And for the most part here, a lot of the players are looking around trying to restore law and order, but still a couple of Yankees
6: trying to get at Benitez. Jimmy Key and
0: David,
4: well, 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 you know, David Wilson. yeah. You know, one thing at the beginning of the year usually have a plan, and you can see that Graham Lloyd and Jeff Nelson had a plan. They came around the pack. Did you hear that, Taylor? The relievers were the
1: ones. Armando Benitez hit Tino Martinez and Graham Lloyd running in from the bullpen. Jeff Nelson behind him. They did some serious damage. And then when it spilled over into the Orioles'
7: dugout, Guess who did all the fighting for the Orioles? It was Alan Mills, a relief pitcher. So come on. Well, you know what? I respect that. I respect going in there and being like, I'm I'm getting into the action because most of the time, that's what I'm frustrated about. It's just like a half-hearted jog and then kind of standing on the fringes. I mean, if you're going to make that run from center field, get in there, man. So I, I, I do Would stand agree, corrected. Graham Lloyd came in with a purpose. and Oh, one. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was swinging so hard his jacket almost flew off. I don't even know how it happened. He was throwing a punch, but it almost came (laughs) off while he was doing it. That was great. I know we shouldn't laugh about a fight, but uh, oh, whatever. When you're
1: when you're getting on a relievers, so I'm like I'm going to defend them for some of the relievers I love to
7: cover. <laughs> Check out that that brawl there from uh, 1998 Orioles Yankees. Uh, Matthew Porto at 30 year old Mulberry writes in as a Dodgers fan, I found Freddie Freeman's overflowing emotions not only awkward and strange, but insulting. Chase Utley, Albert Pujols, etc. No returning player has ever gone that far to weep in front of his former team, right? Well,
1: Matthew, here's the deal. Uh, As I said on the broadcast, we've been saying on the podcast, it was more than just gratitude to Braves fans. There was some anger and there was some sadness mixed in there, too. I think he's got a lot going on about how this all played out.
7: Last one for today. David Crawley at Crawley underscore David writes in the worst kept secret is Dodgers pitching need. Who are the best fits out there? And is there pitching in the farm? Uh, Do they have any starters that are ready for the majors?
1: Yeah, so I don't know if the Dodgers are going to make a big deal. I think they are they potentially have other needs, but the best available starting pitcher, Frankie Montas, the Oakland Athletics, Luis Castillo, uh, Tyler Malley, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, he'd be a good one, too. I think it's going to be traded before the deadline.
7: So there'll be some options. I just don't know if the Dodgers are going to spend big like they've done in the past. A lot of other teams looking at those guys, too, so... We'll see how it shakes out. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. We will talk to you on Wednesday. That's
1: it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Terrence, and Taylor. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about Next Guard Plus. A Afoxalaner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.